it's sometimes easy for us to, to self-flagellate and say, well, I'm no good. The kingdom of God can never use me because I've messed up baloney. The kingdom of God is made up of people who have messed up. That's the whole point, that we're all sinners. So stand firm. Stand in the grace that God has given you. And then expect God, but, but don't predict him. I don't know why this is a, the rest of it's not on there, but, but don't try to predict what he's going to do. God is going to show up. He's going to help you through consequence. He's going to do it. You're not going to know how, but he will be there. God's grace is enough for today, and he never gives you less grace than you need. It's like manna. Every day it's new, and you can't take grace from the day and apply it for tomorrow. You've got to wait for tomorrow, and then the grace will be there, and it'll be for you. It'll be exactly what you need, and he will find you. And so in this, keep your eyes on Jesus. Wow. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the only one that can save us from our sins. He's the only one that, that makes it right. But he's also the one who guides us through these things. As we face failure, as we face the consequences, it's important for us to remember it's not about us. That our, our God came not to just save us for eternity, but he gave us purpose for today. That he is our Lord and Savior, not just in the hereafter, but right now. And so keep your eyes on your master, your Lord. Trust in him. Pray to him. We see David doing this. That he kept his eyes on the Lord. And he said, God, I need you. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I know that you're the one that's going to help me. And then we had to show compassion. Oh, hey, look, Jacob. Show compassion. As we show compassion, right, we've we got to make sure that <laughs> as we go through difficult times and we face consequences, sometimes the hardest person to show compassion to is yourself. Recognize this, that Jesus took your penalty. He's not mad at you anymore. That's what that wonderful word propitiation means. That when it says that God, we were propitiated in, in, in the sacrifice of what Christ did, what it means is that he took his own wrath that was meant for you, and he took it. So no he's there's no more wrath. He's no longer angry. He can't be. If God forgave you, if he was willing to take your punishment, then you shouldn't punish yourself. In fact, you belong to Christ. It's not up for you to punish you anymore. That you have to recognize whom God has forgiven, God has forgiven. And if that is you, then you need to be forgiven. Forgive yourself. Show compassion. Stop trying to make your life miserable. I'm just going to have to endure this awful thing. David prayed for something different. He wasn't there saying, well, I deserve this. You know, I'm this awful person. I'll never deserve more. Sometimes we have to recognize that we are all in need of mercy. And we are all objects of grace. So sometimes that compassion we have to show, like David, he showed himself compassion. He didn't say he did everything right. He said, I did everything wrong. And yet I'm asking for kindness. But also we have to take responsibility. Now when we face our own failures, when we face consequences, then we don't just say, I failed, but then we recognize that we don't blame somebody else that we have these consequences. It's not just because the world is bad or God is mean or anything like this. We take responsibility. Our actions have consequences. What we do affects ourselves and this world. We have God has gifted us with a great power. There are consequences to it. Take responsibility and just own it. Don't be afraid of owning it. And saying, yes, I've messed up, and these are the things that happened because of it. We have to at least begin there. I mean, what he says here, and David said, I'm not going to bring you sacrifices of other things. I'm going to bring you a broken spirit. I know what I've done. And we can go to God with that kind of honesty. Isn't it amazing we can do that? 
And why can we go to God with that kind of honesty, that we can take responsibility without fear? Because the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble, and that He cares for those who trust in Him. That's why. And so as we take responsibility, we also have to cling to hope. Do you see that in the psalm that I read? Do you see it there where David is like, Lord, I'm asking you to cleanse me, to change me, to, to put in me a clean heart, something that I clearly don't have right now. I'm asking you to do a work in me, and I'm going to cling to that, that who I am today is not whom I always will be, that you're at work in me. You know that the scripture says that God is at work in all of us and that he's faithful to complete the good work that he began. God is faithful, even when we're not. Cling to the hope of what God is doing in us. And as we do that, it's important that we connect with the church. You don't see that as much in this passage, but you do see it in David's life. If you read you know, 2 Samuel and, and you see how David reacts, he does not remove himself from the people of God, even though what he did was very shameful. I mean, sleeping with one of your friend's wives, getting her pregnant, and then having him murdered, it's kind of poor form, Right? I mean, that would be something that we would be like, oh, we don't think that was very good. He should feel ashamed. And yet he didn't move himself away from godly people. He didn't do like so many of the other kings did and just surrounded him with people and be like, well, that's okay. He connected with the church, with people who said, you know what? We are redeemed. We've received grace and we're going to give you grace too. There's a better way and we're all going to learn how to live this together. By being connected with the body, you get to experience grace in person that you receive in the spirit from the Lord. And so that's that next thing. Then is you have to receive grace as you connect with the church. It's weird when you are facing consequences to go around other people. And when they're like, you know what, we're going to give you grace. We're going to forgive you. We're going to walk along beside you. We're going to help you recover and we're going to help you restore. And you're like, but I deserve this. It feels weird. But it's wonderful. And so we have to open our hands to the grace, turn to him and turn away from the things that were destroying us. Verse 17, the very next verse, David talks about this. He says, oh man, that was, there we go. It says, my sacrifice for God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. That's what God wants. When we face consequence, recognize what God wants from you is not for you to hurt. That's not what he wants. He wants for you to grow. He wants for you to change how you live so you stop doing things that are destroying you and destroying this world. He's given you an opportunity to change. That's what he wants. So put your efforts in changing your heart. Sacrifice means whatever the cost. Whether it's, it's mentally, it might be a broken spirit or it might be pride. You have to say, you know what? What I did was wrong and I'm going to own up to that. I'm going to change. And maybe it's a new habit or getting rid of old habits that you've done. It's a willingness to do whatever, to be different, to recognize what I was doing was bad, but God has something better for me. A contrite heart is a heart there. It says, it says God wants a contrite heart. What that means is that you're remorseful over the sin, that you're to the point that you recognize that it's actually not so good. See, most of us get into trouble because we did what was right in our own eyes, like David. He knew it was wrong to go and sleep with Bathsheba, but in the moment, it felt so right. When we follow our hearts, oftentimes it leads us to bad things. A contrite heart recognizes that, oh, maybe my heart leads me astray. I'm going to stop listening to my heart. It's a horrible master. Right? A great companion 
Hearts are wonderful. They're like puppy dogs, right? They're wonderful. They can be warm and fuzzy. Sometimes they mess things up, right? But they're, they're wonderful. You want to have a good heart. But if that heart tries to leave you, right, it's going to lead you to the dump every time. So a contrite heart says, I'm going to put my heart under the submission to the king. And so a contrite heart acknowledges sin. Psalm 53, 51 says this, I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. A contrite heart recognizes, says this felt good, but it is bad and it caused bad things. I'm not just sad because I got caught. I'm not just sad because it hurts. I'm sad. I'm changing because this thing is actually evil and I get it now. See, repentance requires us to face our sin. God doesn't want us to confess our sins because he wants to rub our nose in it. He wants to make sure that we get it. We got the lesson so we can move beyond that, so we can grow. And this means that repentance requires us to acknowledge God's righteousness, that he knows what is right even when we disagree with him, that God's ways are rarely perfectly my way. In fact, never has been. Sometimes I agree with God. Sometimes I disagree with God. But God is always right. If God in Scripture ever tells me to do something morally that seems offensive to me, I'm wrong. God is right, and his righteousness is good. In verse 4, the next verse, it says, They're against you, and you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and justify when you judge. David did not you know, say to God, well, you made that woman so attractive. You know, if you didn't make me such in this way, where I was going to be weak to this, this is really your fault. He doesn't. He says, God, you're right. I was wrong. And so this repentance means that I renounce my rebellion against God. I say, God, what I'm doing is wrong, and I will renounce it. I'm not going to live like that. It's not going to be how I live my life. And and as we do that, we recognize that that we need to then turn to God for then that forgiveness. That which repentance causes us to do is to live a repentant, a different, a forgiven type of life. In verse 9, he said this. It says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Notice that that. David is calling to God, say, I want you to not just change me. I also want to make sure that you don't always look at me like I'm this failure. And God doesn't look at you like you're a failure. When we bring our sins to him and allow him to change us and we walk in repentance, there's this thing that we get to have with God where he has this amazing forgetful mind when it deals with sins. He can, says he removes our sins from us as far as east from the west. He like drops them in the deepest ocean. God who knows all things and all things that ever could be known somehow able within his amazing power to forget our sins. That is phenomenal. It's like when we go to heaven, he's not going to be up there and be like, well, I think it's great that you're here, but we all know what you did. It's not going to be like that. Our God is so good. You know, just like um, criminals can't unbreak the law, like when you break the law, you've broken the law. You can't unbreak it, right? Sinners can't unsin. Once we've sinned, we've sinned. It's only God who can take away the blight of that sin. Only God is the one who can wash us clean. Isn't that amazing? See, even our law, even our legal system can't do that, but God does that for us. And eternally in the kingdom, we are God's children, his saints. This is an amazing thing. So, so full repentance doesn't just seek God's forgiveness. It, it seeks a cleansing. It, it, it seeks a transformation, a new life. And God gives it. Look at verse 10. It says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. There's a transformation that God does from the inside out of our whole being, our whole identity. 
Full repentance pursues sanctification. It just says, don't just stop sinning. It's start living a better life. That's what it's called to. It changes us as we practice faithfulness. Verse 15. One of those days. It says, now open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. This is testimony. When you get to the other side of God's mercy and grace, when you face consequence, God gives you testimony on their side. The things that you face, the consequences, your sins are no longer something that work against you. It's something that you're able to testify and say, God has redeemed me from this. That's the, the, that's the full redemptive side of it. And you've heard a lot of my sins throughout time as we've, God has walked me through things, stuff that people said, don't ever talk about that. Well, you know what? God has redeemed me. I'm not ashamed of my past. Uh, my past has been redeemed. And it shows how great my God is. And that's what David says here. The shameful thing of murdering a friend and sleeping with his wife. He says, you know what? Even in that, Lord, there's a, I know you're going to transform me and I will bring you praise because of your mercy, your grace, and forgiveness. And how can he do that? Well, because he knew he had a forgiving God. Which brings us then, who is his forgiving God? It's Jesus. Right? We find that grace and mercy and forgiveness in Christ. He's the one who did it for He's the one who died on the cross for our sins and gave us a new life. That's how we overcome consequence. Without Christ, there is no overcoming. There's no one to wash away the sin. So the question is, then, what if I'm not with Jesus? And I know most of you, but on in line, if you're out there and you have never made a, a decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're still with your consequence. The sin is still on you, but the good news is you don't have to be there anymore. For like everybody in the whole world, God does not choose to save the good people. He chose to save the broken people like us, all of us, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. It says in the king that we can be saved simply by God's grace, and he'll give it to us through faith. In Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's what all it takes. And scripture teaches us that we're supposed to express that faith and belief and confession, and repentance and baptism and being part of a church and discipleship, and that's for you. And so if you've never made that decision, I, I want you to let me know. I'll help you take those steps of faith. We'll walk along beside you and help you not just overcome the crisis of, of consequence, but, but overcome the, the <laughs> all of the crisis of life that comes when we're trying to live life without God. There's a better life for you. There's a God who redeems us from all things. His name is Jesus. He is our lifesaver, and you need to know him. Now, for those of us that have gone through this series, for those of us who do know Christ, this last past few weeks, we've talked about overcoming crisis, and God is giving us some really good opportunities to practice that today. Our world is in crisis. Cling to him in this time. Promote his grace and his goodness. Let's turn to him, and let's apply what we've learned so that we can point people to our amazing God, right? In a second, Zach's going to come up and he's going to give you some next steps and things, how to apply today's message. Next week, I would like you to be back. We're going to start our series in the book of James. And the reason we're doing James, James really talks about the marks of maturity. How do we grow up in Christ? These are the days. Crises are here to help grow us up, to mature us. We're going to talk about, biblically, what does it mean to grow in Christ? What does it look like as we develop as mature believers? Because our world needs mature believers right now. And so we'll talk about that. I invite you to be back there for next week. But first, um, we have some things for today. And so uh, just join me in prayer, and then we'll let Zach uh, help, uh, wrap us up with some, uh, some good next steps. Let's pray. Father God, thank you.
Thank you for your goodness and your kindness in the midst of this broken world. Thank you that you redeem us from our past and that you set us on, on a path to a better future. But more than that, Lord, you change us from the inside out. You take us as broken and wash us clean so that we have a new spirit, a new soul, a new righteousness before you. And you develop that righteousness throughout our life. So, Father, as we do make mistakes, we pray for mercy that you would allow us to not face uh, things too harsh. Lord, that, but instead, I pray that the consequences you allow us to face will grow us closer to you in likeness that will redeem our failures to bring about uh, the opportunity to bring you praise. And Father, we do, we pray uh, in, just in general as we bring this series to a close in the midst of all these crises, help us turn to you and point our community and our world back to you, the only God who can save us, our only Redeemer, Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, if you would uh, flip to the back of that green connection card, there's a few things we can commit to this week. Um, the first thing uh, that you can check off is to memorize Nahum 1-7 if you haven't already. Last uh, week that we'll be going through that, uh, but just uh, put that on your heart. You can rip that off your connection card, um, that, that scripture verse card, and keep it with you this week. And then also read John 21. Um, read through that whole chapter. Um, and uh, we'll do that together this week. And then also request mercy. Um, you know, we've all fallen short, is what the scripture says. Um, but God is merciful and gracious, and uh, we can request that, like, like Aaron was talking about today when I was preaching on. And then also fully repent of whatever you need to repent of in your life. Um, only you know what that is, uh, but fully repent and ask for mercy. We're going to sing one more song today. As we uh, stand up this morning, feel free uh, as we leave this morning to, to throw those connection cards in.